All right. Thank you for listening to the ESBC podcast. Uh, in this portion, uh, we've made you 500% in our other podcasts. In this portion, we're going to educate you on not only local political corruption, but we got one of the top politicians, actually my favorite politician. In I California. hate that word. I'm not a politician. I'm an activist. My Act favorite activist. There you go. <laughs> My favorite activist, a guy that, uh, it's funny, it's one of those people I feel like I know because I've listened to him so long on the radio. I followed all his campaigns for years. Uh, and now we have him on. And uh, when it was uh, the gas tax, a lot of people were taking pictures with him, sending him to me. Oh, look who I have. I know you like him. We have Carl DeMeo. That's how you pronounce your last name? It's DeMeo, like Cinco DeMeo, but it's all good. DeMeo, DeMeo, whatever. The Mayo, the Mayo. We have the Mayo, and we're going to talk about some things that bother me that uh, have happened to him. But one of the things I love about him is your resiliency, and that'll be the last question we'll ask. How are you so resilient? Because it seems like every time you fail forward, and it's not a failure if you haven't learned from your mistakes and you do great things. So uh, I look for great things. And before we get rolling, uh. Coach Mike Christinisi, do you have anything to say to Carl? I do. Welcome, Carl. Thanks for connecting with us. It's been a while since I've seen you. I uh, I appreciate all the work you're doing. This The gas tax, the recall of Gavin Newsom, it's much appreciated. And you are, in my humble opinion, truly a fighter. You say activist, I say fighter. And I think you have to have both of those components to get people motivated to get off their blessed assurance and say, are you going to do something? Are you going to give? Are you going to pay? Are you going to pray? Are you going to do something? If the answer is no, next. And yeah. I appreciate that about you. And I appreciate getting to know you over these last couple of years and really getting to know your heart a little bit and your passion. So thank you for taking this time to be with us tonight. Happy to be here. All right. We'll get right into it. Uh, I saw an interview just recently and you were saying that there's some things that are really wrong. And before I get into what's bothering me, especially in your last campaign, really bothered me what is bothering you about the weird strange uh california political landscape that we're in uh, right now well you know um i'm a little different in, in, in getting into politics than most politicians i don't need this job um i was orphaned at age 13 raised by the jesuits in a boarding school in rockville maryland um when i got to college i first thing I had to do is get a full-time job because I didn't have parents. Um, I uh, took classes based on time slot uh, so that I could work full-time, uh, finished my degree in two and a half years, and uh, I've always been just having to, to take care of myself. Um, started my first company at age 23, my second company at age 25, sold both by age 30, uh, and uh, uh, then decided to go into what I call public service. I don't like the word politician. A politician is someone who does this because they need the money or they enjoy the fame. Um, someone who's a, pu a public servant or an activist or a change leader uh, is someone who sees something that's wrong and says we need to fix it. And we don't have enough of those people in public service. Um, uh, both political parties are terribly broken. And yet um, you don't have politicians in those political parties with rare exception though. Um, most of these politicians in both political parties refuse to criticize their own. 
they refuse to challenge their own, to uh, adhere to their own principles and hold their own members accountable. Uh, and so that's why a lot of people just are disgusted by the political landscape. They've given up hope. Uh, they see both parties as the problem. Um, and they typically say, I have to hold my nose and vote for the lesser of two evils. I'm hoping that people can get to a point where they can vote affirmatively for people and affirmatively for, for change and reform. Um, and so, you know, what I see happening in California is exactly what I saw happening in 2003, is that you have a, um, a, a supermajority party, the Democrats, who um, I believe have bad ideas. Uh, their ideas are the wrong approach. Um, and then you have a super minority party, the Republicans, who actually aren't offering an alternative. Uh, they, uh, uh, they basically have D-list talent uh, working in the Republican Party. And, and here's why. Um, if you are someone who's talented, would you sign up for a job in the state assembly or the state senate where they tell you, you're gonna be part of the super minority. You're never gonna win a vote. Your ideas will never be implemented. You'll never be given a position of leadership uh, and they will completely um, abuse you and um, uh, call you names every day. Um, nobody worth their salt is going to say, I'm going to join up for that. Uh, the only ones that do join up for that are two types. Uh, one, uh, people who literally it's the best job they've ever had because they're earning more money than they would in the real world. Uh, they probably couldn't hold a job in the real world and they really like getting the free lunch at the Rotary Club. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other person that might sign up is someone who really is a change agent. And we don't have a lot of them, but there are some. And uh, they're willing to actually take the slings and arrows to try to make a difference, even though they know that their ideas will not uh, be implemented on the first round. What they're saying is someone needs to stand up and be the voice. Um, and so that's kind of a lane I've occupied I've been a happy warrior. Um, you know, we've succeeded uh, on a number of issues. We have fallen short on a number of issues, but I've never said that you judge success by whether you win an election or whether you win a vote. Um, you, you, you judge success by long ball, long game. Mm -hmm. You do what's right, knowing that in the long term, people will turn around and say, you know what? We should have gone that direction. We should have done that. Um, the Jesuits did teach me that. What they said was, um, there are three different ways to do things. The right way, the wrong way, and the easy way. Yeah. The easy way and the wrong way are usually the same, okay? The right way uh, is typically the hard way. But if you take the hard road and you do the right thing, as dis, as uncomfortable as it is in the short term, right? You will you will be able to look back and say, I have no regrets. Mm -hmm. And so, um, in in California politics, we've got a super minority party on the Republican side that are a bunch of cowards and not capable of fighting back or not capable of offering a credible program and an alternative for leadership. You got a super majority party that's just simply wrong on the issues. And they've been a supermajority so long that they become arrogant. Right. Um, they know that the media is going to cover up their stuff. There's no real, uh, you know, 
worry about their, their elections. Um, and that's a very unhealthy environment for democracy. And so in, in California, we are suffering from that. We now are seeing Californians leaving in droves. The first time we've ever seen net migration from the state of California in our history since we joined the union. Uh, we are seeing more people leaving California because they can no longer afford to live here or they can no longer stomach living here anymore. The schools are the worst uh, in most of the communities across the state with rare exception, particularly in our inner cities. If you talk about racism and equality, um, it's amazing that in the school districts in the inner cities completely dominated by the Democrat party and the unions, these are the schools that are failing the most. Um, and so we're seeing uh, people leaving because of the cost of living, the uh, environment, uh, the homelessness, the crime that's going up, the infrastructure that's falling apart. Um, by every measure, California's uh, quality of life has been diminished under these policies, and it's unaffordable. So um, what, what we have to do is offer an alternative and see if we can stop the death spiral that the state of California is in. Um, right. And, and I want to interject this because there's been two elements of corruption, right? And what I, the way I try to explain it or the way I explain it to people is that political corruption and corrupt politicians is not a victimless crime. And when you talk about the long game, you have horrible long-term results, right? Flint, Michigan is the poster child for that. But to get specific, right? In your last election, you ran into what, you know, newspaper reports say against a guy who built his wealth in conjunction with the Cleveland mob, right? And one element of corruption that really bothers me, that really affected you in that race is, oh, the PAC did it, giving the politician cover, right? for doing something that they're ashamed to do. In your case, it was gaping, right? At the last moment, they uh, attacked you with a gay baiting thing. And I'm, I'm as guilty of it as too. In Proposition 6, uh, reluctantly worked for an assembly person and they gave me a list of Republican women, right? They said, Josh, go talk to the Republican women. You're good at it, blah, blah, blah. Tell them Carl DeMail's gay. So this is not new. Whatever race you're in, there's some gay baiting going on. So how do you deal with that? Uh, how did you deal coming out and gay with conservative uh, Republicans, right? And how are you going to deal with that moving forward? And to me, Carl DeMail kind of screams for uh, there needs to be a third party, right? When you get conservative uh, Democrats and uh, Republicans who say, who cares if the man is gay? I agree with his politics and uh that's between him and god i it's none of my business right but, I, think just, I think i think you just answered it i think no one cares i mean right. um you know people care more about what are your ideas and what is your experience and 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 can you get the job done um and you know well they say that works with republican voters uh today doesn't know they don't know republican voters Republican voters uh, embrace freedom um, and it's live and let live. It's, hey, uh, you do your thing, we do our thing. Uh, the only people who traditionally play the gay card are Democrats actually. 
these are de the Democrats play the race card, they play the gender card, they play the 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 the, the, the gay card, um, because their whole calculation on politics is how do I divide people and have them look at their label, their own label, and then I have to convince them that because of that label, you're a victim. And the people victimizing you are my political point opponents, the Republicans. Uh, and the only way for you to save yourself from being a victim is to have me be your savior. Mm. That's their, that's rinse and repeat, okay? That is their methodology. And so the reality is this, the Democrats thrive on division and labels and boxes and identity. I believe Americans have one label. But in the Republican Party, Freedom the Jerry Falwell, the old Jerry Falwell, the sun's different, right? The sun's very different. But the old school, uh, moral majority, Jerry Falwell. You're talking Freedom about the 1980s. You're talking about the 1980s. Uh, what about the Freedom Caucus now? I think the Freedom Caucus is for economic uh, uh, reform and, and, and you know balancing the budget. Um, Do you think a majority of the Freedom Caucus and the Republican Party would vote for a gay, openly gay man? I would presume if they if, if, if they looked at the record of uh, fighting against tax increases and fighting for economic opportunity, uh, that that's the common ground. Let me tell you a story. When I uh, 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 first started out in San Diego politics, um, it was a different world. It was a different environment. We're talking about 2006, 2007, 2008. Right, right. And remember, even Barack Obama, the messiah on the left, Mr. Equality, was against marriage equality. Um, Hillary Clinton was against marriage equality. It's so funny how all these Democrats are against these policies, but they're now celebrated as all the, you know these longtime right, right. leaders. So maybe right. we shouldn't be naming schools after Obama or Clinton um, for a number of reasons. But um, it's just a different time. And so what you have to do is look at uh, where are the issues where we can make a difference that matter. Yeah. And uh, the issue of equality is settled. It's time to move on, uh, live and let live, the golden rule. Right. Uh, and uh, that's the true story of America today. And it's something we should celebrate. The people who don't want us to acknowledge that, the people who don't want us to celebrate that are people who thrive on the division. They want people to think people are still being victimized everywhere. No, they're not. Uh, there are people out there who think they're victims because you keep pumping their, their head full of those concepts. So. When I came to San Diego, I was approached by uh, the log cabin Republicans, the, the gay Republicans. Um, and they said, well, what should we do? And I said, well, you should show up and work. That's all you do. You show up and work. You go to events, uh, you, you fight tax increases, you register voters, you show up and work. Uh, the way to change someone's mind is to touch their heart, build relationships. And I really believe that log cabin Republicans, um, you know, really uh, have evolved and their new role is not to come to the Republican Party and say, hey, we're gay, we want to build relationships and uh, change the party. They don't need to do that. The party is ac accepting of them and, and has embraced everyone. You know, it's like, look, we're all behind the, the cause of freedom. No, no, what we really need log cabin Republicans to do is to actually fight the bigotry and intolerance and discrimination and hate within the gay community. Because you want to you want to talk about discrimination, intolerance, uh, uh, hate. Try being a gay person who is a Republican in the gay community. You'll get if you're at a bar, you'll get a, a drink thrown in your face. So 
um, you know, really, I think people sometimes are still stuck in the past on how they view politics, and it's just not healthy, it's not accurate. Uh, moving forward, um, what unites us is the label of American. Right. Let me ask you about ballot harvesting. So I know what happened to the Josh Newman, you know what happened to Proposition 6, and you get these robocalls, right? And I know a local politician does it and says, you know, number five, are you open to somebody filling out your ballot, right? And we know the elections that have switched this way, and I'm sure it's going to happen to you until somebody stops it. I'm sure the union will do it in the Gavin Newsom uh, recall. What are your thoughts on that? Well, ballot harvesting should be illegal. Um, you should uh, carry out. We know we're doing it, right? And there's some robocalls. I have uh, people have sent me, you know, copies of robocalls saying, number five, are you willing to have somebody fill out your ballot? And if they do, yes, you know who they are. You go to them, give them a ballot. How do we enforce it? Because I think you made a great point on TV the other day that whatever party's in charge, right? The golden rule, whoever has the gold makes the rules. Whatever party's in charge, uh, knocks out 20% of the signatures right away on whatever you're doing, regardless of who they signed them. So right. has the law changed? What we do is, is, is we have to restore confidence in our elections. Uh, the Democrats are saying there's no voter fraud. Uh, Republicans have, have identified a number of weaknesses and right. problems with voting. The reality is this, the polling is clear a substantial portion of Americans do not be believe that our elections are being done properly. They don't have confidence in our elections. And we cannot be a healthy democracy if 25, 35% of our fellow citizens believe that the people winning elections are not duly elected. That's cancerous. It is a tumor that has to be addressed. It's an illness. And so we need to make the case for uh, making the changes in our election. And so, for example, I was talking to a Democrat the other day, uh, and we actually found some common ground. Uh, I said, look, we need to make sure that people have confidence in the election. So um, why don't we make sure that we uh, keep accurate voter rolls so that when someone moves out of state or out of a district and they make a change of address through the Postal Service, a government enterprise, the National Change of Address uh, Database, NCOA, that we deactivate them from getting a ballot um, or, or someone showing up and voting. Um, we also need to make sure that uh, we change how we do mail-in ballots. Uh, the Democrats are now mailing a ballot to everybody, irrespective of whether they asked for a ballot or whether they're still living in that address or are live. We should make mail-in ballots easy to get, but it should be on request. And so it should be per election, that if I know I'm gonna be out of town or if I just simply don't wanna to go to the polling station, I can request a ballot be sent to me through the mail. We can do this electronically. And we can say, hey, upload your signature or sign the screen, sign a piece of paper, you know, mail it in to request so that your signature is fresh. A lot of people say, I don't know what I, my signature was 20 years ago when I registered to vote for the first time. So what, how do I know if I'm gonna be counted this time? So we can make a better system for absentee ballots. I also believe that we should have voter ID. Now people say it's gonna suppress the vote. Really? I think that's just an excuse. I think that's just a red herring. 
does uh, having uh, an ID to get on airplanes suppress air travel? Right. Requiring an ID to buy uh, alcohol or cigarettes uh, suppress uh, buying those products? No. Uh, and so, uh, I do believe that if you uh, have uh, uh, people showing up that they should show, here's my ID, This I'm a real person, I'm legitimate here. Uh, and to make it easier for voting to happen, uh, I would have voting stations open for four weeks out of an election. I have no problem with that. Why just have one day where you show up and stand in line? Right. Voting as easy as possible, but make sure that these internal controls are in place. If yeah, you do, yeah, it won't close with this. I know you're busy. If you do that, you don't need mail-in ballots. If you do that, you don't need ballot harvesting. You're going to make voting so easy, but so properly monitored that it's going to be easy to participate, but also people can have full confidence that the the, the result is something that we can be confident in. Yeah, and a gift you give to the world, we close with this because you're busy. Something I've admired from you from the beginning and still to this day is how you keep coming back. And I just learned tonight you're an orphan. And one of the main tenets of this podcast is mental strength. How do you keep coming back? Where does the resiliency come back? And if you can describe with us the, the tremendous amount of mental strength that you have. Uh, alcohol. No, I'm just joking. Uh, look, uh, you know, maybe maybe I'm wired differently, and maybe that's what it takes. But um, uh, I live a comfortable lifestyle because of my business success. Um, I don't need the money. Uh, I've actually put a tremendous amount of my own resources into uh, public service. It's certainly cost me a lot of money uh, doing what the, what I've done, and 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 supporting the organizations I support. Um, but I would do it all over again with you know, the setbacks as well, because you're only put on this world for a finite period of time. There's no do-over. And you, at some point, have to look back and say, did I do everything I could to make things better? Was I the one that spoke up and spoke truth to power? Did I say what everyone else was thinking but didn't have the courage to say? Did I fight against the bully? Did I fight against the powerful? Uh, did I inspire others to do the same? I have full confidence that people who are powerless, if you give them a plan, if you encourage them to do whatever they can do in their own little way, that many, many, many people doing all of that can be quite powerful. And that's how change happens. And it's not pretty, it's not perfect, it doesn't have a singular line of successes the entire way. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I, I guess you can call it resiliency. Um, I just call it commitment. Uh, you just you keep doing it. You put one foot in front of the other. You know, there's also people who inspire me. Um, a few years ago, I had a setback um, and I was despondent, it was rough. Uh, you know, wow, boy, I, you know, that didn't feel good. And I picked up a book by someone that you would, wouldn't even imagine uh, reading the book, Joan, Call, uh, jo Joan Rivers. Oh, wow. Passed away a few years ago. Yeah. What's interesting is uh, Joan Rivers came to San Diego. Uh, I um, um, uh, was helping raise money for a nonprofit organization. Uh, a donor uh, paid to have her fly. Um, and I spent time with her before the event. 
I was there as a city council member. I gave her a city proclamation, which she very uh, <laughs> she very uh, humorously basically uh, made fun of it. Like, you know, really, I fly all the way across country. I'm doing this for this is the crap that you give me. Uh, you know, uh, and it was wonderful, great fun. Um, but I spent time, you know, behind, uh, you know, talking to her, and uh, um, uh, she said, oh, "I hear you're a gay Republican." That's like that's like a Jewish Republican. We, we people don't exist. We don't we don't, we don't exist. Uh, um, and for whatever reason, I decided to to get her book. She had some of the biggest setbacks you'd ever imagine, but she never gave up. Right. She never gave up. Big time. She, she's got quite an inspirational story. She, I mean, most people know her as funny and somewhat outrageous. I love politically incorrect humor, so um, you know she's outrageous. But her story is friggin' remarkable. Uh, how she never let a setback get her down. She just said, "You know what? Keep moving forward." And um, after all of her setbacks. She, when she passed away, some would argue she was at the height of her popularity, having won um, the, the the Apprentice, uh, having that documentary done that was a mega hit, uh, and a variety of shows. She was at the top of her game at what, what 81 years old. Um, and so, um, you know, sometimes you read a story about someone and you see what their life journey is, and you say, you know what? If that bitch could get up every day and, and, and you know, and she'd call herself a bitch right. and take herself seriously and, 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 and go out there and put herself out there. Right. Uh, then you know what? Little bumps in the road. You can get through it. So um, there are sometimes people that you encounter that can inspire you and, and, and uh, you know, they don't even know about it. Last words, uh, uh, Mike Christianese, before we give him uh, what's Well, Carl, the other day I'm listening to your broadcast, and I'm a pretty tough Italian kid from Flint, Michigan, right? And I'm listening to you give this eulogy thing about Rush, and it happens to be the Christmas thing with the music. Oh, yeah. I, I'm in, I'm, I had to pull over. I'm crying like a baby going, Carl, you... <laughs> You busted my child. You got the music on your Travis. You got the guys crying like a baby because it was so well done and so authentic. My producer was crying too, and he's 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 you know he's pretty hearty, uh, uh, and barely you know. <laughs> I it, it it was a great loss. Uh, you know, uh, having Roger Hedgecock come on the show at five fifteen. Roger and I are friends, and you know when he stepped down from radio years ago, he's like, "That's it. I'm done." Um, <laughs> not coming back um no way no how and roger uh, was moved uh, you know he's like this is a big day i want to i want to come on and i said I, i'd love to have you on come 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 join us at 5 15. um so yeah definitely um uh radio as rush limbaugh found uh is a very intimate um medium um you're with someone in the car three hours a day or whatever uh, time they're driving uh, every day, five days a week, 52 weeks a year, and uh, it, it then develops a, a, a friendship, a family relationship, really, um, with that person. And so uh, his passing, a huge, huge loss. Uh, and I'm just lucky to, to be in the medium and, and be able to reach people every day and, and inform them, hopefully inspire them.
But I like one thing you said, and I'll, I'm going to take this as a takeaway, the label American. When my family came from Italy to America, they did not bring Italy here because Italy was so great in time. No, no, no. They escaped. They literally escaped Italy and all the poor government, the rotten, yeah. the corruption, moose, all that stuff. And I like that label. I think that you can really build your brand more by pushing that idea of the label American because it resonates with a lot of us deep down inside. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Great. Well, thank you for inviting me and, and uh, you know, good luck with the podcast going forward. Oh yeah, no, we're doing great. Get to have you on. We always close with, uh, I'm going to give you some William Shakespeare quickly. All humor comes out of tragedy. That was my first major, but we always close with Winston Churchill. Coach Mike, about 100%, everybody we have on the podcast believes in this. Not only talks to talk, but walks to walk. You make a living from your labor, but you make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the ESBC Podcast Network. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Thanks. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it is free. It's a podcast that I use. And they really do a good job for us here at the GFSN betting and team report podcast. It helps us make 70 to 80% of your bets. Now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started, my brothers. I'm the best there is.